Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. He koonai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. I'm on Anchor Island watching the most amazing scene. We're watching three kākopo chicks all being vigorously fed by their mum, Hinemoa. Uh, and we're trying to work out if anyone alive has seen this site before. Not me, but that does sound wonderful. Hi there, kia ora. I'm Alison Balance, and this is Voice of the Kākāpō from RNZ. We're up to part seven, Dark Days. But before we go there, Hine Moa is not the only Kākāpō mum with a full house. There is simply so much rimu fruit around that many mums are raising three chicks, sometimes their own and sometimes foster chicks. Deidre Verko, she's with the Department of Conservation and she sure has a lot to be happy about in this bumper breeding season. High points for me was every time we drew a little smiley face in the circle of an egg on the fridge. <laughs> so we have this fridge on both Finoho and Anchor where we we track how many nests we've got and we um, draw a little smiley face every time we have a fertile egg or a little blank line if they're infertile. And, yeah, every time you draw that little smiley face on the fridge and you start adding up how many fertile eggs we've got, I think those moments were the real highlights for me. With a, Wow, look, look how big this season is, how much potential there is here. It was probably around mid-April that I was just starting to let it sink in about how well things were going I'd been kind of stopping myself from really believing it in a way and just going yeah no no, we've got a lot of work ahead of us and I'm not going to count birds before they hatch yeah so I was feeling very positive and really really pleased with how things were going but we already know that from the 252 eggs that were laid just 86 chicks hatched and some of those chicks had already died or were in the vet hospital dealing with things as various as brain surgery and respiratory infections and broken legs. And that's not all. The low point was definitely the aspergillosis disease outbreak. Yeah, that was scary. It was, it was a low point from a perspective of losing individuals that you knew, but it was scary from the potential of what this could mean for the population. There was about three weeks there and uh, when it was, yeah, really quite grim. Yeah, so that was a real, yeah, interesting, difficult time. And we're just coming out of the breeding season. It was April. We're just things were just starting to calm down. We knew that we'd had this massive breeding season. We still had lots of chicks and nests. Everything was looking really good. And then we had 
chick died quite suddenly. And then we had a female, Hawkey, her nest attendance really started to change quite dramatically. She started attending the nest a lot longer, feeding less at her hopper, and her chicks started reducing in weight. And so we were very concerned about that turn of events and we initially thought that she just was struggling with three chicks so we moved one of her chicks to another nest and both the remaining chicks seemed to pick up quite nicely and then they took another downturn so we moved a second chick away and again the last chick seemed to be doing really well for a little while and then that too started declining so it turns out that Hawkey was actually quite ill with aspergillosis and we just didn't realise it at the time. And that was one of the really scary things about it was you, I, I remember a few times I caught individual birds and they looked fine. We then took bloods from them, looked at those blood samples and realised those birds were really quite sick and had to fly them off and in some cases those birds died a few days days later. So it was really, really hard to tell. They didn't look like sick kakapo. They looked like perfectly fine kakapo. There was no way of telling from the outside. Really the only way you could detect aspergillosis in the birds was to send them off and have a CT scan done and of course that's really hard to do uh, we're talking about a finding a kākāpō, putting it into a, a carry cage and then flying it off the island and putting it on a domestic flight, it's just a massive mission to do that for one bird let alone thinking about how do we do this across the population. Many of the sick kākāpō were sent to Auckland Zoo where vet James Chatterton found himself looking after some of the chicks he had helped hand rear down on Whenua Hau. In a busy year, we might have two or three kākāpō, perhaps, in a whole year. And at the moment, we've got 18 birds in the hospital. One of the first kākāpō to die was Hoki, the first hand-reared kākāpō. I was gutted to hear about Hoki. She was a real favourite of many. And, yeah, it was very hard because she's 27 years old. She was supposed to outlive lots of us. And she had such character... Uh, yeah, she really demanded everyone's respect. She was great. So that was very hard news and also really concerning. What did it mean for the population? Was it a one-off? And sadly, no, it wasn't. Not long later, another adult, Huhana, was diagnosed with the dreadful fungal disease. Yeah. I mean, we obviously we don't like losing any of our patients, and but particularly the old adult breeding females that have such a rich life before them. So I guess with Hannah specifically, we knew that the clinical signs that she was showing were that she was slowly starting to choke to death. Her airways were blocking up with aspergillus lesions and despite several weeks of effort and multiple operations, we were unable to fix that. And so we ended up in the stage where we knew that she was going to die. You know, I felt some comfort with Hannah in that we could step in a few days before she died naturally and make the end more peaceful than it would have otherwise been. So, of course, that was a really tough decision for us. But actually, I feel like it was a nice decision for her once we understood that there was no hope of her getting better, that we made the end peaceful, because if we'd have not stepped in the way she was going to die would have been really a very horrible way to go. Hey, Alison, it's Deirdre here, and it's the second of... May, can you believe it? The season is still going on. I must admit, it's starting to feel like quite a long time now. Um, but it's been amazing. As of today, we've got 77 chicks alive. And actually, a little bit of a bundle of nerves. We've had a few health issues lately. We lost Hawkey a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it seems we've just 
always got one or two chicks that we're having to keep a really close eye on, move them between nests, uh, maybe pull them in for hand ring. Just, I guess when you've got 77, there's always going to be a couple that you're worried about. We had a bit of a lull, but then we had another wave of losing three chicks in the space of about a week. It was a really hard week. Uh, and again, aspergillosis, aspergillosis, aspergillosis. So this pen's got aspirins 2B and Quihi 2A in it. Aspirins 2B is the youngest of the chicks that we've got here and she's been with us the longest. And you can see how she's really keen that we're here because you certainly get a very different reaction from the adult females that we've got here who really aren't that happy with us. So if I pronounce this rightly, Wihipu, she's one of the adults and uh, yeah, we're just gonna take some bloods from her. It's really needed uh, to help them, um, you know, getting through this and uh, for us to be able to give them the right treatments and, and, and follow-ups. So we're now putting her in the nebulizer, which is part of the treatment. So they get treatment which is actually nebulized in a smaller environment which they then inhale which then can directly work into the into the lungs and the trachea. I think we had 15 chicks that went through the CT scan coming back uh, confirmed with aspergillosis before we had a chick that was cleared so that was really worrying uh, and yeah for a few weeks there I definitely felt like I was in the middle of a nightmare and wanted someone to wake me up. This is Nora coming, yeah. You can hear her a long way off. So Nora was hand-read in Invercargill for a short period, then spent some time in a nest with a mother, and is now here. So she's had an interesting life, so... For all of those years, those decades of work that have gone into getting kākāpō from the, the very brink of extinction to where they are today is just realising just still how vulnerable they actually are. Um, you know, you can't actually think about that every day. Do your head in. <laughs> You've just got to get on and, and manage the risks uh, from a day-to-day -day basis and, and make sure you're doing everything that you can do. So you kind of, you don't become blasé about it but you have to put that to the side when you're dealing with it day to day you can't let that wake you up in the middle of the night every night but yeah definitely during those weeks there were a lot of sleepless nights and, and concern about that you know what does this mean for the population mm. we ended up losing nine kakapo out of 21 that had aspergillosis we scanned nearly 50 of them so we lost to seven initially and we expected to lose more from what we're told from the vets about what normally happens in aspergillosis and it was quite a surprise, I think, to everyone to find them responding so well to treatment and to understand that, you know, maybe we're not going to lose half or maybe even three quarters of those affected birds after all. But then, on the other hand, it was a real shock suddenly in September to lose two birds in quick succession. One of them had had aspergillosis and been treated. The other one had been cleared of aspergillosis. And to find out then, just when we thought we were over it all, suddenly it came back again. Um, yeah, that was quite a scary time and we, we were then wondering that we might even lose more. But touch wood, so far we haven't had any more cases. Grumpy, loud Nora 1A was one of the seven chicks to die from aspergillosis. But Esperance 2B, the chick that was so keen to see James, 
She survived and is now back in the wild following a 277-day stay in hospital. That was the longest stay, just beating out one of the mums, Margaret Marie. This Prince 2B, by the way, was named Toy Ora by the Auckland Zoo team. Her name means survivor. And that's it for Voice of the Kākāpō this time. A big thanks to Deidre Verko and Andrew Digby from the Kākāpō Recovery Team at the Department of Conservation and to the whole team at the New Zealand Centre for Conservation Medicine at Auckland Zoo. I'm Alison Balance and I'll be back soon with the final episode in this RNZ podcast. I recorded and produced the show and Phil Benj mixed it. You can check us out at rnz.co.nz slash kākāpō or just search for RNZ Kākāpō Files wherever you get your podcasts. Bye for now. Mā te wā. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.